0: Hello and welcome to a show of their own, sports and life
1: with Morgan and Laura. I'm Morgan, and I'm Laura, and we're coming to you a little later this week because um, I was out of town visiting my sister for the Fourth of July, so delayed a day, but that's okay. I hope everyone (laughs) had a good holiday weekend. Um, And today we kind of had a cool idea to give our perspective on women in sports and specifically sports media and some of the biases and sexism and stuff that is out there and also I think how it's evolved over time because it's not necessarily fair to say it's as bad as it maybe once was and so I think we have a lot of interesting stuff to talk about with that but before we do that we did want to give you a COVID update because <laughs> one. and so Morgan I think a lot of the updates are around baseball yeah, so
0: the official report date was last Thursday, July 1st, whatever day that was. Um, Wednesday, I guess, whatever, days don't matter anymore. Um, and since I kind of expected a lot more opt-outs, like from starting from the report date till now, and I think there's only been five players that have opted out, which I honestly expected at least one from every team. Um, So there's been opt-outs and they've all been opt-outs from what I've seen based on family. It's not necessarily like themselves that are high risk or um, anything like that. They've mostly done it because a lot of them either have young kids or a couple of kids and they just want to stay home, keep them healthy. Um, When that came out that a few started uh, opting out, It's also reported that they don't get um they won't get paid for opting out for their family if they're opting out because them themselves are high risk or immunocompromised they'll get paid but they are not getting paid if they're just opting out because they don't want to get their family sick which sucks um and i just found the list of (laughs) who it was um I'll, and I'll retweet this on the podcast account, but um, someone has a great um, Google Doc of the MLB players who have opted out and then also the ones who have tested positive for COVID. Um, I'm On this list, I'm seeing, I think, nine players that have opted out. They've all opted out without the health exemption, so they're all opting out for reasons other than they've been sick or loved ones um but uh, and I mean a lot of them are kind of well-known names like David Price with the Dodgers Mike Leake with Arizona um Joe Ross and Tyson Ross uh Felix Hernandez Ian Desmond wrote a really great thing on Instagram about the reasons why he's opting out because it's more than just he has four kids one on the way he also wrote a thing about you know his local little league ballparks aren't that great. And he seems like he really wants to help those out as well, which is a cool reason. Um, Wellington Castillo, Ryan Zimmerman, Nick Marcakis. I think that's everyone I've seen so far.
1: I did kind of see a concern expressed that basically you're putting some of your maybe shorter career kind of players and stuff in a really Mm -hmm. tough position because Your players who make a ton of money, they're not necessarily going to see the financial side as a problem. Yeah. But players who have shorter careers and at a lower pay grade are going to feel more pressure to play. So, like, I know I saw Mike Trout express some concerns, and it's like, if Mike Trout doesn't want to play, he doesn't have to because he's not right. out it's not going to really impact his financial situation at all
0: yeah and um like there is a long list of players who have tested positive it's over it's almost 30 i think if i'm counting that right um but like the rangers have two tested positive so far brett martin who's a pitcher um And he hasn't – I think the symptoms I saw he had was, like, fatigue and, like, congestion, but no, like, serious ones. He has type 1 diabetes, so he's Mm -hmm. high risk. Um, Joey Gallo, just a couple hours ago, tested positive, no symptoms, so that's good. But also, like, you have to think about all the people that are testing positive have already interacted with the rest of their team. Maybe if they are getting tested before they report, they're getting tested daily I think the routine is they get tested. If you're positive, you have to have two more negative ones within 48 hours or something along those lines. But then again, there's also an issue of testing because I saw, I think it was the angels couldn't get any testing done yesterday. Like the the people who are show, who are supposed to test them didn't show up. So they tested themselves and sent it to the lab themselves, but then getting the results back has also sounded like it's been an issue. So it's not going smoothly. I also saw that, um, and I, I believe every team is supposed to get like a box of PPE for um, coaches and players and all that, and like the Washington Nationals haven't received it, and that includes like masks and gloves and maybe like sanitizer or something, um, but I think that was part of the agreement within reporting for camp so it's not going smoothly and we're not even a week into it.
1: Um, So from NHL updates they um, announced more information about rules and specifics and the one thing I do really like is they are pretty serious with the um, rules specifically around quarantining so they aren't going to get COVID out interaction with the public and then bring it into the bubbles that they're trying to create. And they have threatened teams with draft pick loss if their players don't cooperate with the rules and hefty fines on the players and all that. So it seems like they aren't taking that part very seriously. It does. Last we heard, the hub cities are going to be Edmonton and Toronto. Edmonton for the rest, West Toronto for the East. Um, there's people speculating about a lot of reasons for that um obviously the availability of ice so like i know vegas was a suggestion and a concern with that would be in july in vegas keeping the ice cool enough such that it's nhl quality is tougher in vegas than it is elsewhere it's tough enough during the year but in the middle of the summer it's really tough Um, But then also, the U.S. cases versus Canada and how that's all been going, that could have played a role. There's a lot of things involved in that. I know Vegas was very appealing just because the ability to create a bubble was a lot easier because they had these hotels that they could very easily get the hotel to like rent out to them, and then they'd have a bubble that's very well set up for what they're trying to accomplish. But that obviously didn't happen. I did want to point out something. <laughs> Hockey is so, like, please like my sport or we're tough guys all the time. Oh and God. Players. Tyler Kennedy, he used to play, like, he was never that great. I think he played for the Penguins when they like, won their Stanley Cup in 2009, but it's not like he's a player whose name you remember was apparently asked because NBA players were upset about with the bubble thing that if their families weren't going to be there, then they couldn't have sex. And so he put it this way. Let me put it this way. I don't think Sidney Crosby is thinking, do I want to have sex or do I want to try and win this family cup? And he's like, oh my God, please. But thankfully for my sanity, Hockey Reddit came through with some great content. <laughs> content. And so, um, someone commented, um, I mean, they could have sex with whoever's in the same bubble. And then, Someone had to respond, women's hockey has been doing this for years. And then they responded, someone responded with a link to an article that said, Team USA and Team Canada women's hockey players keep marrying each other. Then we get another comment. I don't like this at all. Call me old fashioned, but Team USA players should marry other Team USA players. (laughs) And then the piece de resistance, my favorite one. God made Adam and Todd, not Adam and Claude. (laughs) Okay, I saw that tweet, and as I was scrolling, I was like, I don't
0: know what this is talking about, but let's just keep scrolling. But I saw just that part, because I think it's in almost all caps or something, and I was like, what is happening?
1: It's hilarious, though, because it's like taking that whole, like, Adam and Steve, whatever, whatever, yeah. stupid, and also, call me old-fashioned, but I want to <laughs> <laughs> like, I just love that we're like, no, we're not going to do any homophobic crap, we're yeah. just going to take that homophobic crap and turn it into something not homophobic, but hilarious, yeah, and so I appreciated that, but yeah. Hockey, hockey is so hockey sometimes and i just like shut up stop talking <laughs> but yeah so they're not sure I think they want training camp to start soon like really soon we'll see how that goes um the one other random thing I wanted to talk about with um hockey is uh I do know that There's a decent number of players that have tested positive. They announced nine additional players today. They don't really announce – it's on a league level. They don't announce team by team. And um, I do know that Tampa at one point had a really tough time. They had to close their, like, optional training down. And um, it does seem like the teams that have had struggles – because I hear at one point the Coyotes had trouble – for like at least recently because in the beginning mm-hmm. the first teams that ever had trouble with it were the senators and the avalanche and that was like way back in march but recently the a lot of the teams that are having trouble kind of coincide with the states that are having trouble so um but it was interesting i thought that was fascinating in the beginning um the senators last game before the break in the season was in LA at the Staples Center. And where they, their locker room was the same locker room that the Knicks had had the Mm -hmm. night prior. And the Knicks like had half the team test positive. And so it seems like that's where they got it from. And so it was kind of showing just how transmittable it was. Yeah. Interesting little stuff. So that's your COVID update. Anything else you want to add, Morgan? <laughs> um, I
0: it just surprises me that MLB is starting their camp before NHL mm-hmm. because to me it would make sense for NHL to want to start sooner because they've already started their season and it, it got interrupted. Whereas MLB didn't even start and there's no way they're gonna get started. like it still baffles me that it's like oh in a couple of weeks we'll be playing real baseball I'm
1: like no you all it we're not gonna get to that point it, it is a very different kind of thing so because the NHL has like a real phased approach yeah so they had at one point like you had to practice alone kind of what mm-hmm. you heard the, uh, uh, NBA was doing and then they went to six players and one coach and now they went to like 12 a bit ago, and they might have even increased since then. And it's basically like they have all these phases laid out, and they have to agree to go to each subsequent yeah. phase. And so I think the next phase is like a two-week training camp. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason they're maybe not as in a hurry is because it's going to be so short. Yeah. And also they need to get the logistics because because that MLB is still using their part they have to get the logistics of the hub city and how that's all going to work out and like player accommodations figured out. And so that's like the NBA, like they've talked about Orlando and the players are there for so long, but there's so much involved in it. Yeah, that's true. So with that, (laughs) I want to talk about um, a topic that I know we've wanted to talk about a lot on the show. And I think is something that we talk about quite frequently probably on this show going forward but also on Twitter and stuff especially because I think on Twitter is where you might it I think experience a lot of places but you see it very apparent on Twitter and that is just um some sexism and just the experience of females as sports fans as sports reporters or even as athletes obviously I'm not an athlete myself, (laughs) but I think you can kind of see some of this stuff, and so I guess I would want to open this up with, I think most people, guys, gals, whoever, would stipulate that there is sexism in sports, in life, whatever. I think where I find the problem, and I think you kind of see this with racism too and stuff, you get people who will stipulate that there is racism, but they see racism as like blackface or the N-word. And they see people as sexism as like, go to the kitchen and make me a sandwich. They don't see the subtle ways of sexism. And I think that that tends to be, obviously in a racism context, non-black people, saying that or whatever race you're talking about I guess specifically in that case and with sexism it tends to be men speaking about the experience of women because it's hard for them because they're not on the other side of it and sometimes they're accidentally doing it because I think some sexism isn't uh, intentional some is and it's very insidious and not trying to be like out there in it but and so I just think that that's an interesting launching point point in the sense that I don't think we need to establish that sexism occurs. I think it's about educating of the level of, like, there's yeah. all of this stuff that you don't realize is occurring.
0: Yeah, and in, fe- what's it, February, this year, I, like, it, I know it's July, but that means really nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was February that I wrote on my blog about inclusivity and women in sports, and you helped me write a lot of it, um, and it, it talked beyond just women in sports, but inclusivity in general, but I think it's also, like, when I was a kid watching sports, men's sports, I mean, you didn't really see women in sports other than, like, the cheerleaders, or occasionally, like, sideline reporters, but, um, so now I, I almost feel like every baseball specifically, you see a lot of the dugout reporters are females, or at least that's what it, it seems like, which is really exciting to see. But um, it, if you look in press boxes, there's really still not that many, like it's still a lot of men. And um, so it, it's also interesting to kind of, for me at least, to kind of see broadcast versus print as far as Mm -hmm. um sports journalism goes because I've noticed a lot that there are a lot more women doing sports journalism on broadcast um but also I don't necessarily know if that means that like they're just not getting hired to write
1: you know what I mean and I will say like I think so kind of going off of that, something you'll see in broadcast a lot that really has always bothered me is the idea that women haven't played whatever, at fill-in-the-blank mm-hmm. sport. And the thing that's frustrating about that is I think the best example is softball. Mm-hmm. There is literally no dude who has played professional softball because it doesn't exist for men. And right. yet, no one bats an eye when they want to be a coach, when they call games and stuff like that. And if you were to say anything, they would say baseball. And it's like, yeah, but doesn't that go both ways, then? Right. And it, and so things like that, it's very frustrating. And I will also say, I think that they haven't hashtag played the game is a frustrating commentary because being a reporter, the yeah. print or like a play-by-play or anything like that is partially knowledge of the game and there is certainly an element of like in hockey it's there's an interesting perspective hockey players can provide however another side of that is communication Mm -hmm. and should be no surprise that some professional athletes aren't good at it because they weren't trained to be good at it right and so now, granted, there are some who are really great at it, and those are probably, like, your first choice of people people who have played, be it male or females and also are really great communicators. But if you can get someone who's a really talented broadcaster who studies up on the game, maybe they can't provide certain insights, but because they can communicate in a way that some others can't, they'll create that connection which is very important to a broadcast. yeah
0: and on that you there there are plenty of sports writers and broadcasters that have never played the game and they they report on the game just fine and but it almost feels like the moment it's a woman it's like well she never she never played hockey or she never played football or baseball or whatever and it's like Mm -hmm go look up the people who you read daily or listen to daily talk about sports or broadcast sports or write about sports. Guaranteed half of those men have never played those game either, or at least haven't played since like middle school, high school. Like they've never played it on a professional level. I like Rangers broadcast. um, Usually it's uh, Dave Raymond, who is not never played baseball professionally. And then it's either CJ Nikowski, who has played, wasn't very good though, so really it doesn't mean much. Um, I don't care for him if that's not obvious. Um, And then Tom Grieve, who did play. And the two, like the difference between the two is like Tom, Tom and Dave when they're talking, you never hear Tom kind of bring up that, well, I played the game, so I know how to broadcast this. And like, when he's telling stories or saying something, it's always in a, um, like Dave asked him, so when you were playing, what was this like? With CJ and I know with other broadcasters, it's kind of like, I'm the authority on this because I've played the game. And it it always bothers me when that argument comes up too, because again, how many men are covering the sport that have never played it professionally? So Mm -hmm. to use that argument against women, And honestly, not even just women who are covering it, but fans of the game. I can't tell you how many times I've been, like, quizzed on my knowledge of baseball or the Rangers or whatever sport.
1: Yeah, and I I would also say, so, like, just thinking about hockey and not even from a male-female perspective, Mm -hmm. but just, like, debunking the, the, the idea in general. So, like, I think Brian Boucher is a great example of, he was an NHL goalie, and that results in some really interesting commentary because he's a good communicator, and they engage him and say, okay, so what's the goalie thinking there? Or mm-hmm. he'll tell you – you'll you'll see a save, and it will look like, oh, he had no choice. You're like, he had no sh- chance at this. And I'll be like, no, actually, he wasn't positionally sound. So it looks like he had no chance, but that was because he wasn't in the right position. And those are all very helpful, and he communicates that well. Conversely. There are players, and it tends to be the ones who are fresh, retired, and stuff like that, who just are hard to listen to sometimes. Like, Mm -hmm. Patrick Sharp used to be that way, like, when he first started. He was just very kind of stammering around, and it didn't, it wasn't strong, but then he's gotten better and improved at it, so Mm -hmm. I would say he isn't that anymore, but there certainly are some of the newer ones who are like, "Eh, not really, you're not giving me anything, but then... If you think about some of your more legendary broadcasters, um, I'm going to pick pick one because he's in the news right now. John Forslund. Which, if you're listening, Carolina Hurricanes, Tom Dunnan, please sign him. He is literally the best broadcaster ever. <laughs> he is so awesome. Um, he never played, but his st- he's very interesting, very engaging. Everyone loves him, and so I think it's like the same is true for women on the fact that, like, the talent isn't just in knowing the game. It's all of a combination of things. And right. that's what the judgment should be on. Yeah. And I think it's not always that. And I think sometimes it's a convenient excuse. But mm-hmm. I think there are a lot of convenient excuses um, used when it comes to women. And that, some of that is very Twitter-centric. Mm-hmm. But I will say, Twitter creates an environment because it's not just about insert female broadcaster here. It's about the fact that when all of those tweets go around denigrating that person, mm-hmm. then what do women on Twitter think? Do they think baseball, basketball, hockey, whatever is a, a place that's welcoming to them. Do they view it that way? And so that's why i got to think. If you're not just talking about that person when you, tweet and, and and I would also say sports Twitter in itself can create an atmosphere online such that women don't feel welcome and I think that, that that's something that you really have to confront mm-hmm. if you want that inclusivity because there's only so much that like generic campaigns can do And that's why I think it's so important when we talked about the hurricanes example or other examples when they do the different pride or whatever kinds of themes that it's not just they say they're being inclusive or they say they support inclusivity. But when someone comes at them with something that isn't, they go after it. Or like um, using an example from my experience, um, there's this Penguins player his name is Zach Trotman he's kind of a fringe NHLer spent some time in the minors and sometimes in the NHL his wife Gina used to just until a couple months ago be a sports reporter for some like Detroit area um, news station and she tweeted this video from a high school game where a football game where a kicker missed a field goal and she said journalism folks or reporters whatever this is why you always shoot um not field goals it was a point after this is why you always shoot point after like you never know what's going to happen and it's so important to the story and then some moron was like shoot it's called kick like what the heck blah 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 and I have to look up his responses because then her husband like came in and was like no he called this guy dumb dumb it was awesome but it's like not just for his wife but how many people see a professional hockey player be like oh no 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 she knows her stuff like you don't get to do that or like another example I think of is J.J. Watt is married to that Kelia Ojai who plays for Chicago now a professional soccer team And she got traded from Houston to Chicago. And the headline was like, J.J. Watt's wife. Mm -hmm. She has a name. Like, this is so offensive. She's a really good player. Like, And this has nothing to do with me. This is about her career. And I think when you see people with a position of power, and that's what I think of being an ally as, is taking that position of power and not for yourself, but using that power to help those communities.
0: Mm-hmm. And they're speaking of like the, having like the nights, but like going beyond just that one game and that one day to be an ally of sorts, um, one thing that always has like bothered me is that you see it more with like minor league teams rather than like a promotional day and like MLB teams. Um, they'll have like ladies night or some kind of quote unquote theme night for women, but it's never like, I'm sure that they kind of mean well when they do it, but that in of itself is never done right. It's always like, a couple years ago and I don't know if it was the Rangers minor league or if it was just a um, minor league team that it got uh, picked up but they were doing like manis and petties at the ballpark and they always have like a wine night and a wine glass and everything's always pink and it's like I mean don't get me wrong I love pink stuff but I don't want it to be shoved down my throat just because I'm a fan of the team that like I can't get the other stuff um but like the manies and petties, like to me, it feels like they are uh, trying to confirm the narrative that women don't really go for the sports; they go for like all the other cliche things to look at the guys. Which sure, why not? It's totally fine if you're a woman and you go to a baseball game just to look at the guys, in the baseball uniforms. There's nothing wrong with that. But when it's like thrown at you that like that's the only reason you could possibly like sports that's not gonna make me want to come back if like you think the only reason I'm gonna come to a ballpark is to get mannies and petties and drink wine first of all I don't understand how that's supposed to help your audience and gain fans if that's all you think of women fans as um, but it, like you can still have those kind of ladies night events but like okay for instance I know the Mavericks did a a similar theme and like before the game but they what they did was kind of had like I don't know if seminar is the right word but they had like the women in like their front office and like um like the a part of the staff but like higher up they Mm -hmm. kind of talked about how they got there and what they do and like I feel like that's a more interesting way to do a ladies' night than just stereotypical stuff. Like, if you can have, like, a broadcaster that's a female broadcaster that covers a team, and then, like, I know, like, the uh, stars' lawyer or someone in that is a female, and she was on, um, they did, like, a feature on her on NBC Sports when the stars were playing a game on that. Like, if you can kind of turn it in a way to, like, inspire women to be a part of sports beyond just a fan base like that's way more helpful beyond just that one day rather than a pink ranger shirt you're gonna give me
1: and uh, yeah and that's the thing I think is is such an important thing about like stereotypes and stuff like that to combat stereotypes you don't have to not be the stereotype (laughs) because then you're just ceding that power to them and so I always think of that, and you always hear that talk about when it's, like, stay-at-home moms. It's, like, of course you can do that. Like, feminists are, like, we want we want everyone to have that choice, but we want it to be a choice. Right. And that's the thing with, like, sports fans. And something that I thought would be kind of cool is why not have – because, you know, in arena they do all of the, like, in commercial breaks and stuff, they do the different packages and stuff that they show on mm-hmm. the screen – Why wouldn't it be cool to have different players share a story of, like, important females in their lives? Because, for Mm -hmm. instance, my alma mater, Creighton, we had two people play for us uh, from the same family in Iowa. And one of them is still in the NBA, the Corver family. And their mom, famously, in high school, when it was three-on-three women's basketball, got 70 points. And I oh and they talk about it all the time and like how cool sh- that is and how like she's kind of their inspiration to play basketball well if you have that doesn't that mean more than some kind of special on margaritas or whatever yeah like and so I think they're very interesting things I do have to say I found the article about Zach Beck- Tropman and I have to read you this exchange because okay. he deserves props <laughs> so Her original tweet was, sports photogs. This is why we always shoot field goals. You never know. And then this guy tweeted, so this is just like a a transcript of what he said. Um, The user tweeted, This is why women should stay out of football and stay in the kitchen. Shoot field goals. What the blank does that even mean? Jenna Trauman, or Gina Trauman. And then, of course, her husband stepped in. Everything shooting is referring to filming, dum dumb. She, hashtag, she shoots 40 yarders. <laughs> um, the person apparently responded, something to the extent of stick to hockey. And then his ending thing, which is like, love you. <laughs> I won't stick to hockey if you insult my wife and other women who know sports. Hashtag basement dweller. Hashtag it's 2017.
0: Yes. I love that. As soon as like you said that in his reply, I was like, wow, this idiot really didn't understand that she was talking about pointing the camera at the field goal to take the picture. <laughs> it's hilarious. And now the guy no longer has a Twitter. So <laughs> that's kind of reminds me of uh, in the blog post that I wrote, because you and I have talked about this a lot as far as like gatekeepers. Um, it happens on Twitter a lot. And when I posted that article, um, someone replied actually thinking that I meant literal gatekeepers as in someone is standing at the gates of stadiums, turning away people. And I was like, not literal. It's not literal. I didn't say literally. It just means there are people on Twitter mostly that try to gatekeep who is a fan and who's not, and that's not literally meaning they're standing
1: at the gates. And I will say I've had some well-intentioned men tell me that, oh yeah, they've been, there's gatekeeping in hockey and they've experienced it, and I will stipulate that the hockey thing of, oh, you like hockey, like please tell me who played 15 years ago fourth line center for your team, is very much a thing that happens, And so, like that, there's. I'm not dismissing that. That definitely happened. And Mm -hmm. hockey has like a inferiority, like, hey, no one watches us, so we're better than you because whatever. That's very much a thing. However, it does impact women more than than it impacts men. Mm -hmm. Like I've seen, I saw just like a week or two ago a gal who was hired, like she's worked for the Eagles in statistics and advanced analytics and was just recently hired by the new team in Seattle and all of the people in the advanced dance community in hockey are like this gal is amazing and someone basically treating her like she knows nothing about hockey because she gave some like advice or something and they're like, well what do you know? And it's like way more than you <laughs> like and, and so it does it does happen in hockey to everyone it also impacts women more than men, like, both can be true.
0: Yeah, and I did, um, because this, I, it came up as a topic on um, Twitter a few weeks ago about um, someone was like, well, why do we need more, like, women journalists in sports in the press box anyway, and I was like, fine, I'll find stats that, like, prove, because, like, the whole point of, like, wanting to see, have inclusive inclusivity is you want to see yourself in a person in a position that you want like i i want to see more women covering sports at a higher level because that's what i want to do that's that's the whole reason why you have pride nights you want to be seen there you want to be welcomed there and feel welcomed all the time um and like um this is from a report in 2017 um i'm a women in media report and it said only, women only had 11.4% of the sports story bylines last year, which was up from only 10%. But they make up uh, a big chunk of sports fans themselves. 51% of women are sports fans, and they make up about 35% of each sports fan base. So if you're making up that much of a fan base, you kind of want to see yourself in, like, represented. That's kind of like how... Um, in Congress, you want to see more women there and people of color because the country isn't just made of white dudes. Like, you want to, you, you need that diver- diversity. So then, you know, you have aspirations as well, but also you're being represented
1: fairly. But also, if you look at, okay, so not an exact statistic, but generally, women are about 50% of the population. So, if you look at the fact that women are about 35% of the sports fans, that would tell you that a major opportunity for growing your fan base is going to women. And the best way to do that is to have women in your business offices who mm-hmm. can tell you this is what appeals. This is what, and they can t- obviously, men can do that too. Women can do it better. And that's kind of part of the thing that I feel like people don't understand about inclusivity in offices and in executive teams. It's not just, oh, be charitable and put the insert minority here in a position of power. It's not a charity. Like, it's business advice. If you have someone from those different populations they know how to appeal and also how not to offend people of those populations and that is good for business exactly and and I remember there's this really great piece by Katie Nolan when she was on ESPN about like or not ESPN when she was on Fox Sports I think about um women and appealing to women and a lot of like the wine night and kind of ranting about that stuff and she talks about that about how like stop trying to coddle men who already are such a big part of your fan base if you want to grow these are who you have to get you have to get women yeah because there's a certain amount of men who, no matter what you do, are never going to like sports because they just don't like sports, and that's okay because to each their own. But there's so many women just looking at it who probably could either like sports or do like sports, but could be more passionate mm-hmm. about your sport if you do some stuff. Yeah, and I think
0: like baseball has that issue a lot of trying to get younger fans. They don't know how to do it. Like they, they've tried so hard and every change they make, it, it, it's just dumb because they're not listening to the younger athletes or the younger managers or even the younger fans who will actually tell you, hey, maybe if you do this thing, you'll get more fans here because they're so worried about losing older fans that they already have.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think – It just is so important for baseball. I just have to rant about this. Go for (laughs) it. I was talking to my mom today about this. Stop with the, like, mound visit obsession and things like that. Because, again, pace of play is a thing. Mound visits aren't going to help your pace of play problem. Like, not even remotely. The thing that will help, not even with pace of play, but just having fans, is like kind of taking a page from the NBA and like the NBA basically lets like if I wanted to I don't really watch the NBA but if I wanted to I could make gifs of the NBA yeah and it could be retweeted a million times and the NBA isn't going to copyright strike me because they're not going to copyright strike me because they don't have to pay me and I just gave them free advertising and created this buzz and build the MLB like there was that pitching ninja or whatever forever ago and they like got him kicked off Twitter and then they like there was all this uproar and then they figured it out but they still it's like no one can just make gifs and stuff like that and it's like you're outsourcing your PR you're outsourcing like some of the buzz and the creation and a lot of times influencers and stuff charge for that and you're just getting it for free and you're saying no we don't want it
0: And that's something that I have tweeted about so many times. The moment any other sport um, goes over the three-hour mark, I intentionally tweet about it because MLB seems to think the reason they don't have fans is because their games go so long, which really the average baseball game is not any longer than a college football game or an NFL game. There have been some hockey games that have run as long as some baseball games. Like, the, the fact that they think pace of play is the reason they don't have fans just shows you they don't understand why they don't have fans. And that's why they don't have more fans. It's insane that they don't know that. And mm-hmm. I think if they stop focusing on that and they could focus on, oh, maybe we don't have younger fans because – we don't know how to appeal to them. Maybe we don't have as many female fans because we don't know how to appeal to them. And they started looking for different ways to appeal to them by asking them. It would just be so much better.
1: And yeah, and I would also say like, when it comes to pace of play stuff, people obviously hockey is not as popular as baseball but I don't think anyone is saying that a problem with hockey is that there's only like three goals in a game or yeah two goals in a game or whatever no that's not an issue and so yes there's going to be a lot of time where there's no runs in an inning that doesn't mean that there isn't any excitement and I'm, I'm for trying to think of ways to maybe get more hits and like if they want to juice the ball up a little bit, like, that's, that's something to discuss. Yeah. But just these stupid, like, oh, limit, like, limit this, and do, like, the, the walk thing, the intentional walk, and it's just, like, and that Whatever.
0: I know we've, like, totally gone our course from, like, (laughs) the original topic. But, like, the fact that even, like, that walk rule, it. Doesn't really, that, that cuts off what, like a minute of a game and intentional it, walks don't yeah. even happen every game. And it ruined some actual like creating play moments because there have been times when you can score on an intentional walk because that fl- the, the pitcher gets flustered, the catcher gets flustered, they can throw a wild pitch instead and the runner on third scores. But now you've taken that away, like you've taken some mm-hmm. of the gameplay away
1: like I have to say this new plan they have for baseball one of the things I thought is a missed opportunity if they have the hub idea like they do in the NHL Mm -hmm. and I hope the NHL does this and the NBA does this why can't you then say like hey players like we want to make more money we want to get viewership because that helps put more money in your pocket and like keep this thing going so when you're not playing you guys are going to like help be our commentary and like we're going to send you around as like a sideline reporter to interview all of the other teams and like have fun and stuff like that because that builds like like i think the single biggest buzz the mlb ever gets besides like your your classic like world series but like the great social media buzz is in the spring training games and stuff where they're interviewing people in the outfield and obviously i get that that's harder to do in the season mm-hmm. but if they were in a hub why couldn't they then say okay so the rangers are playing the astros or whatever and some random Diamondbacks player who played for one of the teams or whatever is at the game because there's all the same hub. And so they, like, go around and interview the different players or are talking crap about the different players as the game is going on. Like, isn't that awesome? And that would
0: totally work considering, like, one of their, uh, things for COVID is like they're gonna have players who aren't playing be in like the stands instead of the dugout so it's not so crowded so you could easily just be like you could make it socially distanced really if you're gonna be picky about it it'd be so easy but like like it's so easy to because they've even um with the all-star game since thank god that doesn't count for anything anymore they um do mics there too and um similar to spring training where they have the broadcasters talk to them while they're on the field like just that small little thing is so helpful to the game because another thing about MLB that's an issue along with like the whole marketing thing is they don't really have a face for the sport like Mike Trout probably should be and maybe is but only but I feel like only to people who already watched the game like if I go ask someone who has who maybe watched one game or a little bit of another game and ask them to name a player I'm not sure if they could whereas like I don't watch basketball
1: I can name like at least five but see so I think with baseball, and coaches it's not it's not Mike Trout I think just in a sense and obviously you can't force something where it isn't there I think it's just, right. like. He's not that gregarious of a guy. Like, he's a great player. Mm -hmm. Maybe isn't, like, the greatest personality for that kind of thing. I am saying he's a bad person, just not a good, good, gregarious kind of personality. However, I think, and I don't necessarily like this player, like, but I think if we're talking about it, Bryce Harper is probably the one that most people would know. Like, most non-baseball people would know. Right. But also, like,
0: neither one of them, based on their personality, should really be the face of baseball. No. There are so many others that could be the face of baseball. Like, Andrew McCutcheon is freaking hilarious. And I don't yeah. know why he's not, like, like he, he's not, like, Mike Trout ability level. He's a good player. He's had injuries. But he's funny. Like, that's what makes you love a sport. Like, Adrian Beltre, freaking hilarious. He is the reason I love baseball so much like honestly since he retired I was kind of like do I even really like baseball so much because now he's gone but if they just find, like Anthony Rizzo Chris Bryant like the two of them together could be the face of baseball if baseball cared enough to have um, those people
1: I would even say things front. like um so Chris Bryant and um, Bryce Harper are pretty good friends and their wives yeah. are pretty good friends and stuff and the only time that baseball did anything with that and I'm not saying this is wrong like glad baseball did this was with the, L- uh, the Vegas shootings because they're both from Vegas they did like a PSA together and raised money and stuff but it's like okay why don't you exploit that why don't you have all kinds of content and them like razzing each other like like all kinds of like find those storylines and hire people who will find those storylines and exploit the crap out of them because it's great. Well, and another thing is Joey Gallo and Bryce
0: Harper and Chris Bryant were all on the same Little League team. Yeah. Like, and those are three superstars you could easily just have fun with in your marketing.
1: And so, sorry, we won't pay off the rails. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we have so much to talk about, but it is kind of but also – that's, there's a great position for women to have in, like, baseball front office with the teams and stuff like that, because, obviously, this is a stereotype, not all women like this, but a huge audience, like, women are a huge audience of things like the Real Housewives shows and things like that, and it's because women under, like, guys can make whatever sexist comments they want about that, but narrative, women are really into that, like narrative spinning and like having a whole storyline thing and so I think that could be potentially a really great place for a woman in baseball it's like coordinating that and really being a part of growing the game because if you ask women how do we grow the game you're gonna get a different answer than if you ask a retired hall of famer how to grow the game and it's like we don't exactly. need their input on how to grow the game because they're kind of people already watch the game. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> and it's like, it's not, it, and it's not anything bad. It's not like we're saying, oh, we don't want those people to watch. But right. We want to, like, oh, have more people. And that's, I think, a lot of what perhaps they don't understand about the sexism aspect, too, is it's like, we want, it, it's the hockey is for everyone idea. And, debate that. I have my opinions about that statement and how true or untrue it currently is. But the idea being, it's like we want as many people as possible because more fans is is what we're after. We're not just after more male fans. We're not just after more fans who played hockey growing up. We're not after more Canadian fans. We're just after more fans.
0: Yeah, because especially like the groups you just named most likely already watch. So you don't really have to keep appealing to the same audience if you already have that audience and they're most likely not going anywhere
1: exactly and so I think but so I just I think getting back to some of the female experience and stuff like that some of what I think is frustrating is they're like for us who are fans and all that the question when I say things like oh well we should do this and this and this because I think that could help bring more women in or this is how you could be more welcoming well if hockey's so sexist why are you a fan if this that and the other and it's like okay so do you not have any women is that what you're saying if you don't like one thing and so then I'm like I'm going to turn that back around for you if you don't like the offsides or why are you a fan of hockey And it's like you can like something as a general idea and dislike how some things are done. That's a, a thing you can do. And so I'm not saying I don't like the game of hockey. I'm saying that some of the ways in which Twitter is for hockey fans, especially women, and I'm saying some of the realities for women and minorities in hockey isn't ideal. Yeah. And I want that to change because I do like the sport. And I think you have a similar feeling about baseball. Yeah. I'm, and like the same
0: thing, why wouldn't you want it to improve and get better? Like, yeah, it, not everything is perfect. That's obvious. So I can enjoy baseball, but also know that it needs improvement on its fan base and how it covers it and how it appeals to try and get new fans, especially females.
1: So here's the new thing ladies little champion, if you ever get tweeted the like when you complain about something well then why are you a fan you need to go to that person's account and find the most recent complaint they had about the sport and respond to that tweet with a nice little link to that and say well then why are you a fan too because everyone has complaints with things they like
0: oh for sure even if it's just like the one game you had a complaint about it it's just what's gonna happen
1: well, and like so, this year in baseball with the um, different season stuff, they're doing the Universal DH. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, not everyone likes the Universal DH. If you don't like the Universal DH. I'm not going to suggest that you don't like baseball. Just stop watching baseball. Yeah, had, that's
0: dumb. I've had plenty of complaints about baseball, about the Rangers still love them they're still my favorite team you guys can't see it but Laura can and I have a bunch of bobbleheads and like basically a whole wall behind me of ranger stuff I'm gonna still support them even if I don't like every single aspect they do because
1: maybe they'll eventually change that yeah and it's like okay if they change that thing that I don't like I would like some more I would mm-hmm. be even more passionate, and so yeah, I think I think that's just that's a pet peeve that I've had for a while mm-hmm. that I just wanted to to say out there. <laughs> but yeah, I, I there are so many layers to the sexism in like following sports, and I think you see that too with like following female sports, like following women's soccer and stuff like that the fact that you have to justify all these the women's soccer one never ceases to be the most annoying thing to me because equal pay question. I think the argument gets way overblown I don't know of a woman out there who is suggesting that WNBA players should make what NBA players make Because we all understand that currently with how the league is set up, that the WNBA would cease to be a viable business. We all understand that. Mm -hmm. However, not just from a talent level, but from an interest level, from a viewership level, from literally every level, women's soccer is superior to men's soccer. Mm -hmm. So there is no reason why women don't make at least as much, if not more, than men. Specifically U.S., obviously I'm talking about this. But the men's soccer team is literally Christian Pulisic and a bunch of guys who would get laughed at if they tried for any other program. Like, my sister was talking about someone she knew who, like, had... A boyfriend who played MLS or plays MLS and he's not he's one of the lower earners but he makes less than she does and she is a resident physician which resident physicians don't make that much money I mean they're not poor but they're not right in it and so it's like major league soccer is not exactly like an elite thing and if you look at who makes up team USA from the men it's mostly MLS players and so it's just all of that to say it just really bothers me when people like when women constantly when women's soccer specifically constantly has to prove why they deserve as much as the men when they've already proven that they deserve more
0: yeah and that also makes me think of how like women's sports in general, why they aren't broadcast. And the response I always see is, oh, they're not as popular as men's sports. It's like, well, it's a, it's a circle because they could get more of a fan base if they were broadcasted more often. And there are so many times where I have seen there is a women's sports team playing. And instead of ESPN airing their games, they're airing an NBA game from 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. like it's just such a wasted opportunity because it would be much easier to grow their fan base if they were broadcasted because then you're more people are obviously seeing it on tv and then you'll get a lot of the people who be like well I I wouldn't watch it anyway but there are more people that probably would and then they tell other people and then you start watching continuous games that's how any fan base grows is there has to be the broadcast, or at least something on Twitter about them, easy access to be able to watch them. The only reason you're a fan of whatever sports team is closest to you is because they are literally broadcasted every day. I would could maybe potentially be a Seattle Mariners fan had I seen every single of their games broadcasted.
1: I would also uh, like to add, so kind of connecting my whole thing about women's soccer pay. I have also seen people say, oh, tennis, they don't do, like, women don't deserve the same payout as men because they play three sets to men's five, best of three versus best of five. like, okay, whoa, 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 whoa. We're saying that women's soccer doesn't deserve as much as men because allegedly men's soccer has more viewership, which isn't true. But it, it, the fact that women's soccer is better, is more competitive, is all of that. Our women's soccer team is better, has no impact on what they should make. However, when it comes to tennis, the fact that they play more means they should make more. So, like, explain that. Like, how does that make sense? Because if we're saying two different things. We're saying that one, the play and the quality of play and all of that matters, and then we're saying in the other one well, okay, because that would mean that you make more, screw that, it doesn't matter. Almost like those arguments you're saying don't even matter. (laughs) And so, yeah, that's just a rant I had. This is like, we're not even going to need to do a rant. But yeah, it's... Are there any other things you wanted to talk about? I feel like I'm just like kind of taking this random spot.
0: No, it's fine because my brain is like, scrambled half the time but I don't know I just like I think a lot of what I notice at least right now mostly it's just the lack of um females getting the opportunity to report on sports in general still like it's improved but it could be better I've still seen a lot of press boxes where there's maybe three women compared to like 10 men covering the sport I I and one thing I, I look at is, like, The Athletic, since they, they have, like, a lot of the top journalists covering, there's still not very many women on their payroll, and I think maybe I'm hyper aware of that because I've covered sports, and I've been, like, the only female in a press box before, and it, it, it's just weird, because it, it, you definitely can tell the favoritism, like, I, okay. I covered my college's softball team and there was a time where I went and uh, was interviewing players and then two other um, guys that were in the sports department for the newspaper were also doing interviews and not to get in like specifics, but just in that five minutes and it was the three of us, I could tell, you can tell the favoritism between the the male writers get more um and it was probably maybe because the communications um person for the team was also a male the just the camaraderie between them I felt like an outsider and I was talking to I I was with the female team like I in that sense you feel like you should be the one to get feel comfortable and be like okay I get to talk to a female coach and female athletes and this is so exciting and I get to cover a female team like that they're good but like softball in a smallish college doesn't get as much coverage but it's still the college newspaper it's fun and still being in that environment you still see like oh the men reporters are getting like the favoritism and the female reporter isn't even like because there have also been times when I'll, I'll get there. I got there and um, one of the other reporters that I worked with, he was there and the communications guy would have full-on conversations with him. And it was, if I showed up, nothing. I so will, it's
1: just like the micro things. I will say, I think because the athletic has like all of those sub things, mm-hmm. they're very different. Like I really have been encouraged with hockey and how they've charted it out. So they have, there's a lot of prominent reporters for teams are women. So, Mm -hmm. um, one of my favorites, Alison Lucan, she covers the Columbus Blue Jackets and is also responsible for coordinating some of like the big analytics conference that for hockey analytics people this year, um. Kaylee Salvian covers Ottawa and then of course our favorite Sarah Sivian covers the Carolina Hurricanes and the thing that I really like about the athletic and that I hope that as they do get better at investing in women across sports and across their platform something that I appreciate about them is they do seem a little less bent on the whole you have to have played the game and more invested in how you write and the research, the the detail with which you'll go, because there's some really interesting deep articles. And yeah. you see that with like that Katie Strang covering um the U S A gymnastics and that Larry Nasser stuff and just all of the stuff that Katie Strang covers and all of that kind of stuff. And so I think I hope they go more in that direction. Mm-hmm. But the athletic I think is one where I at least see the potential and I see that they're open to that conversation and that's I would put as the model of okay you don't we're not asking for perfection right now but if you create an environment such that these conversations can be had what you come out with will be better whether it's a sport whether it's a media outlet whatever if you create that environment where these discussions can take place and you can receive this feedback and really take it in that will create a better environment.
0: And I will say um, their managing editor for their MLB section is a female in span. And that, like, having someone top managing editor be a female is very encouraging. I think it's more, I think probably because I look at, like, the Dallas writers, and I think they only have one female, I think. Which, again, they're still a small company. I think, like, in their Dallas section, they might have, like, six writers total i could be wrong it might be more by now but so they they definitely seem more encouraging as far as that goes especially since they're only a sports journalism site and not like a full newspaper where you would notice more of the uh lack of equality as far as like female reporters and male reporters
1: yeah and that's what's like i think they have such an opportunity and they also seem like a place where that conversation could be had and so that's I think yeah. the takeaway here is like it's not a light switch where you flip and be perfect right just being open to the conversation just listening that's the start yeah so that's for sure. where we need to like at least begin so anything else you want to go to rant and rave I think right and rave but I have to think of my rant <laughs> <laughs> um let me think of my rant. Do you want to start with rave? No, we have to do ra- r- uh, rant. Yeah. We've done so much ranting. I like know. What is there left to rant about? Um, I guess uh, I can start. Let me think.
0: <laughs> I mean, I
1: could just rant about the fact
0: that, like, freaking wear a mask. Like, is that... Like, that's that's not an a, acceptable that's rant. That's not a new rant, but it's a rant I will go on all the time. Like, Texas finally mandated masks last week but like the restrictions are kind of dumb because it's it's basically it should be wear masks in all public places but then like my mom was reading like the exceptions and one of them was churches which churches are high risk because singing has been there's statistics on it you spread more viral particles or whatever it's called when you're singing so that's the one place you should be wearing a mask um thankfully my grandma's not going to church because she actually enjoys having church at home so I personally am like yes um but yeah wear a mask just it there's literally nothing political about it masks are statistically help with the spread of the virus they don't completely 100 percent prevent you from getting it because that's not the point of it we all know this because I that's a whole nother rea- I saw someone post a video about like it was almost like a conspiracy video about whether masks do or don't work and I'm like they never said it, it prevents it 100% but there are statistics that wearing a mask you spread fewer particles if you have it and don't know it so just wear a mask and there's no there's no downside to wearing a mask. You still get all your oxygen. You're not breathing in extra carbon dioxide, which is also like a theory that was like floating around.
1: It's been disproven. Wear a mask. I guess so. I'll kind of build off that. <laughs> One, wear it properly. So the people who put it under their nose, stop that. Just don't wear it. Like you're, you're just a joke. It goes like, over nose and your mouth. Yeah. Like stop, stop being an idiot. Also, if you have a fabric mask, One, make sure the fabric actually does some kind of protection. A lot of them will need like a coffee filter or something to actually filter out the air particles. So if it asks for that, actually put one in and also wash them. If you never
0: wash. I needed that reminder so bad. Like I don't really leave my house anyway. Like maybe once every other week I use that mask, but still wash it every time.
1: But then, yeah, also like people using t-shirts and stuff like that. Okay. Well, then you have to do a lot of layers because think of how breathable t-shirts are. Yeah, that's particles that can get through. Also, second part of my rant. This Facebook, there's this person who I kind of tangentially know, who's a bit of a like overzealous Catholic, and she reposted this thing that was like 21 doctors agree, um, receiving communion on your tongue. Uh, it, uh, it has less of a chance of spreading COVID than receiving it on your hands. And I was talking to my sister about that and she's like, there are thousands and thousands and thousands of doctors. 21 of them. 21 of them. T- well, 21 doctors probably believe that vaccines cause autism. Autism. That doesn't mean they do. Right. Like, come on. And and it's it's kind of like, kind of goes into, and I've heard Steve Shangle rant about this when it comes to Leafs fans, because people are always like, Leafs fans are the worst, they're so mean, they blah, 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 and it's like, okay, Leafs in the hockey world have the biggest fan base. Every fan base has a small percentage of jackasses. Yep. When your fan base is bigger, the number, because the small percentage is of a larger number of people, is bigger. Like that's how numbers work. So it's like, of course there are doctors who say stupid things. That doesn't make it right. And so it's like, just think about it logically. This is st- spread through particles. If you open your mouth, that seems a little less ideal than holding out your hand. Yeah. Yeah. Like, also I think obvious.
0: Like, fabric masks, I think they have to be at least two layers. So if you have just yeah. a one layer mask, that's not going to help. I think it has to be two layers I think like Old Navy is selling a pack of masks. If anyone needs them, it's like ten for twenty-five, and they're three layers. So yeah, and that's the thing. It's like I'm not sponsored just, by Old Navy. I wish I was though.
1: Just do research because like the yeah. bandana thing. If you fold the bandana and then do like how they were showing with the um, hair ties and stuff, mm-hmm. that's good. If you just like wrap a single layer of a bandana, that is so like if you can see through the bandana. Yeah. Anywhere you can see through, like, particles can also get through. I think that, like, at least what
0: I saw on, like, social media, the test is, like, if you can blow out a flame through the mask, then the mask isn't working.
1: Yeah. And that makes sense. Yeah. So, it's just, like, just wear them, wear them smart. <laughs> That's all we're asking. And also, don't repost stupid shit on social media.
0: <laughs> really?
1: Okay, so, rave time. Do you want to go first? Rave. I,
0: don't, I almost feel like it could be obvious just because I feel like everyone's rave, or at least half of everyone's rave would be this, but Hamilton, um, I forget, I, I never had seen that musical live, obviously, but I just, I used to listen to it nonstop on Spotify. I even bought the CDs so I could listen to it in my car, like, when I was commuting between my house and college. And so then finally getting to see it on Disney Plus was just it was perfect. And I need to watch it again. I've only watched it once surprisingly. I thought I'd watch it like every day, but I love it. I love it so much. And that's all that's all I can say is cuz it's my rave and I love it. So
1: my rave is hockey related. <laughs> so I am not the biggest Philadelphia Flyers fan. I mean, I think that's pretty obvious, given that I like the penguins. However, Oscar Lindblom, mm-hmm. who had Ewing sarcoma, which is a pretty, pretty serious form of cancer. Obviously, all cancer is very serious, but this is, like, has a higher than some other forms of mm-hmm. cancer mortality rate and all that. time. He had his last cancer treatment, and he got to ring the bell, and it was so sweet. And then... Um, that he gave a jersey to all of his like nurses and care team that was signed and it said thanks for everything and all of them were wearing like custom uh jerseys that's like fight with oscar and stuff like that it was so precious there's video it's the sweetest he is he's amazing and just everything. All That's the feels. a really good rave. And and he was like, there's a picture of him hugging his girlfriend, who's been with him through everything. And of course, he has a dog who has an Instagram, <laughs> and the dog's Instagram posted so excited. Oh Daddy's done with cancer treatment. So and So just so excited for Oscar. I believe he and his girlfriend, fiance, and their dog are back in Sweden now, because even though he is done with cancer treatment, can't exactly go straight from chemo to playing hockey. Yep. So, but just so happy for him and yeah. a little bit of good news. So. Cause I think wasn't his like treatment started at the beginning of the season or somewhere it near was, it was announced. It was in the middle of this season. Okay. And so he did actually pretty amazing. And so, um, yeah, we were pretty, pretty excited about that. Um, and, uh, even better I think than thought than originally thought and so it's pretty cool especially because just a few months ago they had their team picture day and he was there and you looked at him and he did not look like amazing yeah um so it was a little like obviously it's just well it takes its toll but it's it's great to see that everything's good so with that, it's always fun to end with raves because no matter yeah. how much we've been ranting, it's like <laughs> we're always smiling. Yeah. So with that, we wait till next week. I don't think we know what we're going to do next week. We'll kind of see with COVID stuff. There's probably always something to talk about. Otherwise, we yeah. have a list of topics we want to talk about. And so with that, uh, we will see you all next week. Have a great week, everyone. Bye, guys.